This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we are thrilled to do a deep dive into the biography, the amazingness, the politics, and the poise of the one and only Maxine Waters. Auntie Maxine, Auntie Maxine. as she is sometimes fondly known on the internet and in my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, Auntie Maxine is a really amazing kind of political figure. Um, right now, she's all the rage. She's in memes. Pictures of her looking very unimpressed or sort of taking Twitter and social media by storm. And I think that's because she is just so dang great. She I love how authentic she is. So authentic. Um, she's just this, this voice for truth and reason and sort of standing up for what she believes in. And I love her so much. I love her too. So she represents a district of California just south of Los Angeles. Right. Or maybe it is South Los Angeles. Right. I guess it depends on. Yeah, she's near Manhattan Beach. She's near Long Beach. She's representing LA girl, a pretty <laughs> boss and pretty fly LA district. And so I think she can also get away with politically being flamboyantly and unapologetically liberal. Totally. And like kind of antagonistic. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why people yeah. kind of love her so much is because I think, you know, in the age of Trump and even before that, I think people are thirsting for le- like, legitimate, you know, authenticity in their politicians. No one wants someone, right. not in the, like, Donald Trump way, like, I'm just going to say whatever kooky thing pops into my head, but in the way but of, not like... not far from it. Right, but, like, someone who is, like, being real with them and doesn't seem like they're... She takes no guff from yeah, nobody. She doesn't make any guff. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, like, one of the things that people really... that really resonates with people about her is that she just reminds me of every sort of unimpressed black <laughs> auntie I've ever had right. who doesn't care if it's like the wrong time to say it or mm-hmm. you don't want to hear it. Like she's going to say it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we kind of fondly know her as Auntie Maxine. I think she's mainstreamed like throwing shade mm-hmm. in the political arena. I agree. And what's funny is I think all of the hyper liberal like white folks rally behind someone like Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. who also takes no prisoners, calls it like it is, but she's so... She does it in a very different way. She's so Massachusetts. Totally. She's so, like, New England, and Auntie Maxine is such a opposite and equal reaction. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like the, the unabashed, unapologetic, liberal agenda, but with a very different presentation. Right. And we need both, frankly. <laughs> like, do. there's room for all of us, and we need both. Um, and so, just like what you were saying, the thing I love about Waters is sort of, she comes from this very sort of, like, the, like, the where you th- what you think her upbringing was it, right. it is that so she 
moved to L.A. as a young mother of two. She started working at a garment factory and a telephone company, and then eventually ended up getting a job in um, a small neighborhood in L.A., Watts, as the assistant head teacher for the program Head Start, which is the program that yeah. like, helps at-risk kids, you know, get a head start in education. And so I just Wait, love... wasn't Hillary, like, a big part of making Head Start a thing? Oh. I'm pretty sure that I, I not only heard that on the campaign trail, but it was one of, like, the champ the programs that she championed as, as first lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds right to me. Look it up, yeah. ladies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and so I just love that she kind of came from these, I don't want to say humble, but just, like, very, like, a very specific background. Like, the same way that it's, like... I think it's really cool that Barack Obama started as a community Community organizer, organizer. even though some people think, like, oh, like... What is that? that Um, Hey, guess who else started that way? I'm just going to say, you know, Barry and I have a lot in common. Call us, Barry. (laughs) We'd love to have you on the show. We would. We would. Friend of the show. And so, yeah, she really worked her way up, um, you know, from a from a supervisor of volunteer services and parent involvement, where she taught parents to, quote, take control of their children's educational destiny. And again, mm, I love that. I just love that her work was grounded in this total, like, person-to-person, parent-to-parent, kid-to-kid outreach, right? Like, not sort of in right. an office somewhere, but actually helping her community. And I love when public officials go into politics after starting on... Of re- like not just a receiving end, but getting involved in public service mm-hmm. pre po- becoming a politician. Same. So Head Start is a government program, right? And guess what? Government can do great things. I think we hear a lot about government waste and cutting and slashing, but Head Start's a perfect example of how the government, the United States government, has leveled the playing field for kids of all economic backgrounds to get a level start. When it comes to education, totally, which is the key to success, right? And I love, I mean, like, and how great is it, like, working with babies and like right. little kids, right? Like, I, I think that we have this under this idea that like to go into politics, particularly like for men, I think like yeah. you need to have been like a high powered attorney business or man. a businessman or or like some sort of you know field that we think of as like connected to finance or money or power right. or and, law and like understanding, right? And I think it's right it's you can at least in my book I feel like you can tell when someone has mm-hmm. gotten there from you know person to person like community based outreach. And I think how great how much better would our government be if it were full of people who started off in the classroom or started totally. off? You know, I I just interviewed uh, Elizabeth Esty, mm-hmm. who's a congresswoman from Connecticut, actually. She won in the district where the Sandy Hook shootings oh, wow. took place and, and took office right before that unfor- horrible tragic wow. event happened. And when I was interviewing her for my Forbes column, I said, you know, you were a full-time parent before going to run for office. Like, what did that feel like? And granted, I don't want to gloss over the fact that she has a like a law degree from an Ivy League school and she was a high powered attorney um in she was actually working clerking in the Supreme Court mm-hmm. justice's office but she walked away from that to become a full-time parent raised her kids for the better part of a decade and then ran for office wow i mean i think when we have politicians who have a very diverse array of experiences, specifically experiences having to do with child rearing. I agree. That we are better off because that's part of how government makes a big difference in people's lives. Public education, programs like Head Start. And I love that Auntie Maxine brings that background to bear in her work. And I think it really, really shows. And so she mm. really, you know, it's it's in the classroom and working with teachers and parents and kids is where she says that she learned to organize. And something that I think is so important is, one, just like you said, she got her kind of like political background, her yeah. sort of cut her chops in this 
con- community organizing, you know, environment. And B, that she was surrounded by this, like, I mean, in my mind, it's a, it's a choir of black women. Right. Who taught her to organize, taught her to work with parents, taught her to work with teachers. Yeah. And she really is explicit about crediting these women, these, you know, black women who came before her as the people who taught her how to organize and like open the door for her, That's um, right. you know, being in public office. And so, we talked in an earlier episode about this idea of like lift as you climb and yeah. like these she really like it seems like these are women who lifted her up and so for her I imagine it's also very important I to lift as she climbs. One of my favorite things about Auntie Maxine Waters is the fact that as she has risen up in notoriety, in public office, in leadership, she has not contained or sort of uh, what is it like? Warped her speech and her style to conform to a stereotype no. of what it means to be a politician. No, and that's something and that's, I love about her. I think that's what everybody loves about yeah. her. She, I mean, I can see her saying the same things that she says, you know, on the floor. She's probably is the same way, like at her family Dining cookout, table, yeah. like you know, saying the same thing. You, I, I, I guarantee that, like, people in yeah. her family know her They're as like, like that's, that's her. Um. So let's, totally. I want to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about some of her most famous moments on the House floor or in the media when Auntie Maxine became a sort of meme or a sort of rallying cry, someone to stand behind for the kind of politician who takes nothing from nobody and makes her voice heard in her own way. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Shinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halo. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. (laughs) 
And we're back and we couldn't be more excited to quote from what is some of the best lines I've ever read in any political transcript ever. It feels like this reads right off of, um, oh God, what's the name of the show that everyone here is obsessed with? West Wing. It's like better I than the you writers. I going to say Scandal. Okay, that makes more sense. Scandal or West Wing. It's better. Either or. It's like Scandal it's meets like, West Wing. It is. It totally is. It's like very Olivia Popified, but it's Maxine Waters, the one and only, no writers behind her. So take us back to the first time when, when she became or gained some public notoriety for being a woman who had a lot to say. So she has been like, you know, we think of her today as someone who, you know, doesn't care what anyone thinks. And she's had that reputation for kind of a while. Um, she's always had this great reputation as somebody with something to say, which I love. Um, in 1994, she was gaveled off the House floor when she refused to stop loudly criticizing a Republican member she felt had badgered a female witness during a hearing. I love that. And so, just the, I mean, I wish there had been video of this or that I could find video of this, of her just like mm-hmm. loudly refusing to, you know, stop talking and being like, no, right? I'm going to keep going. And I just love that that moment was in standing up for another woman. Right. You know, she was like, I will not be silenced. Um, and yeah, it was like, almost, you could think of it almost as like one of the early, nevertheless, she persisted moments. moments. Of, exactly. You know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Um, in 2011, she was quoted as saying the Tea Party could, quote, go straight to hell. <laughs> which again, I love. Like, she's uh. just someone who speaks her mind. And I'm thinking about all the women I work with or all the women listening who might be like, oh, I can't tell my boss anything like that. I can't say this kind of a thing in public at work or no one will take me seriously. And I think while it's true that you want to make that judgment call for yourself, nobody respects Maxine Waters less. Or I would say she still gets the job done yeah, at the end of the day. She's still very good at her like good at her job. Right. And yeah. it's all she takes risks. Okay. Yeah. These are not without risk. But how refreshing is it to hear a politician who speaks her mind like that? You can be that woman, too. Like, you can be that politician. I think Kirsten Gillibrand, the senator from New York, is also starting to become renowned as a woman who speaks her mind in this way. I think nobody does it like Maxine Waters. Right. But it's just like, it's it's something to, it's encouraging. It is encouraging. And I do think, I mean, the the politicians that we kind of think of fondly in that way yeah. tend to be people that we think of as, as speaking their minds. They're not people that, you know, suck their that suck their teeth or hold their tongue. Yeah. You know, they're they're people who really, you know. Yeah, but it's hard. I mean, there. here's the thing. Like, A, women get criticized way more for being assertive. Oh, that's right? for sure. And B, it's it's always risky to be that authentic. But I think in today's era more than ever, in the Snapchat era, right, authenticity matters. It does. And people can tell when you're BSing them. And I think in Washington especially, there's it's just so refreshing to hear from someone like Maxine Waters. I agree. And so I think, you know, I think in this day and age, in the, in the era of Trump, I think we particularly, you know, resonates with people in a particular way. Um, Waters was really kind of notable for kicking off this idea that like we that that lawmakers should be vocally and like viscerally resistant of Trump that they yeah. should stand you know stand up to him she really kicked that off by saying that you know refusing to go to his inauguration and saying you know hey i'm not going to go right. and you know kind of making that she stand. basically like boycotted the inauguration saying quote i don't honor this president i don't respect this president and i'm not joyful in the presence of this president Oof. and i want to ask you about that right because Resistance, I get. I'm all about resistance. Right. I'm also 
a very proud American. And I'm not saying we should all come together and kumbaya sure. around this sociopath in the White House, to be quite frank. But it does. I mean, that is that is edgy. It's edgy. I mean, that is seriously hardcore. I'm not here to, like, champion treason. I'm not right. saying that it's comparable to treason. But it is it – is, I don't know, man. It's a little. I mean, I think. Like, what do you think about that? I take that? it back to how we actually felt during that moment, and like, so I remember. I remember yeah. thinking, like, for some reason, my big thing was around this idea that when presidents do these things that are like cute and cuddly, for instance, is Trump this person who spent months and months going after people that look like me, people yeah. like women, you know, yeah. other like folks of color, you know, other marginalized folks in what I feel like were very violent ways. Totally violent. Are we going to get to a point where, like, he's rolling an Easter egg with a baby on the White House lawn? Yeah. And, like, for some reason, I found that to be, like, this really horrifying. Totally. And so I I think at that moment, there was this idea that, like, going to the inauguration, going through, like, business-as-usual political, mm. you know, cute and cuddly things was going to be distasteful. And I like thought, respect, like, like, right. Basic and so, respect, yeah. you know, and it, it did, it even other presidents that I yeah. wasn't fond of, like, I certainly wasn't fond of George Bush, but, right. like, the idea of him rolling an Easter egg on the White House lawn didn't horrify, didn't horrify me. Didn't horrify, yeah. And so I think she's tapping into that, that, like, right. I'm not going to do, we're not going to have this, this isn't going to be a normal song and dance where right. we grin and bear it as a, you know, as someone who spent so long, you know, yeah. spewing such violent, hateful rhetoric, we're not going to act like that's something that, like... That's normal. Yeah, and we're not going to yeah. politely clap for it. I think it's, um, people like to bring it back to the respect for the office. Correct. And even if you don't respect the president, the person in the office, like, behaving in that sort of, uh, going along sort of pomp and circumstance that comes with the inauguration is about respecting the office. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people would push back and say. But... I think there has to be a mutual respect there. Correct. And Donald Trump did not bring that kind of mutual respect for America. And it's like, in my perspective, how is she supposed to respect somebody who, I mean, I, I would imagine if she, if as yeah. a woman of color, she probably feels like, like I feel very personally, you know, maligned I mean, by yeah. him, right? Like, and so it's, it's difficult. Like I'm someone who is, you know, as you might imagine, I'm very vocally critical of Donald Trump. And when people push back, like that's my, right. like, I, like I can't, make nice or find common ground with someone yeah. that I feel like has is personally denigrating me on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It it I think she pushes the envelope and she someone had to be this person, right? right. Someone had to be the voice of on behalf of a lot of us who were feeling yeah. Did like, you ever think depressed. it would be like an old black woman in her late eighties? <laughs> I'm like thrilled it is. I'm thrilled. Aren't we all like I think that's part of the reason she went viral. So what she's gotten a lot of critic a lot of critical sort of feedback in terms of how people are reacting to her open vocal um resistance, right? right. And I think the far right magazine just last month, the American thinker called her unhinged and quote, the poster child for Trump derangement syndrome. So they're trying to make her out as crazy. Right. Like, oh, she right. speaks up against Donald Trump, so she must be Nutty. unwell. Right. And I think that's a classic tactic used throughout history to silence women with strong opinions and saying, oh, she's loony. You know, right. she's unhinged. She's, uh, what is it, hysterical. Oh, like, ho- hold that whole Get a hold of yourself. It's gaslighting 101. And I think, you know, we in the South, where I'm from, we have this expression a hit dog will holler. Ooh. And basically what that means is if she wasn't saying something right, they wouldn't say anything about her, right? right? Like the point, the fact that they're 
you know, mm-hmm. striking back and being like, oh, isn't this woman crazy? We got to take her down. Yeah, that seems to indicate threatened. that she's hit a nerve. Like, she's got something to, like, she said something right. Well, speaking of hitting a nerve Uh-oh. and the frail, pale male ego, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the I think the biggest moment that put Maxine Waters on the map in recent times, uh, which I loved and I think so many of us responded to, was this response she had when Bill O'Reilly, of formerly, formerly of the oh, Fox snap. News Network. We'll have Ooh. to do an episode on that. Um, we'll cover that, his firing soon. <laughs> but Bill O'Reilly, formerly of the Fox News Network, said that he couldn't even hear what she was saying uh, regarding some of her comments against Trump because he was so distracted by her, quote, James Brown wig. Ugh. This is so awful to mm. me for, it's like a, it's like an onion of awful where there's layers to it. That's very Shrek-like. Ooh, it is. Of you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> layer upon layer, layer of BS. Layer upon layer yeah, upon layer upon layer. Basically, one, someone who I know who, who works in the same office as her did make this like very logistical point, which is that like, Maxine Waters is in her late 80s. She flies back and forth from California to DC, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a week. She works, you know, insane amounts of hours. She looks amazing. So right, even if like we're gonna, calm down, people. Right, like, so even, like, I don't like the idea of, like, judging a female politician by her looks, but even if we're going to do that, right. she looks great. What do you what, want like, her to yeah. do? Spend, like, all of her time at Dry Bar? Like, yeah, exactly. Instead of doing her job? Like, exactly. come on, logistically, like, I think there's that. Exactly. Layer one. Layer one. Check. Layer two, so, like, I don't know if Maxine Waters wears a wig or not. Who knows? But as a black woman who has worn a wig or two on my in my life, it's it's beyond rude and problematic to tell black women who are often, you know, maligned and marginalized because of their because of our hair right. that wearing a wig or like a weave or mm-hmm. like braids mm-hmm. or whatever you want to do makes a lot of sense if you're someone who like has a lot to do. Like if you're busy, you don't have time to get your hair done all the time. It makes total sense. And it really goes back to the episode that we did about feminist right. hair, where, you know, as black women, we're kind of Damned if you do. Yeah, so Damned like, if you don't. What is she supposed like you want her to show up in cornrows? Right. Or what like are you gonna say about that? So like, None of which is a wrong move. Right, but, but like it calm be, the hell down. Yeah. She's trying to like calm you white people down right, like, with a wig. Exactly. Calm down. The choice to wear a wig is basically saying like so even so I'm not sure if it is a wig or not, but if it is, the choice to wear a wig for a black woman is very much like I'm my hair is going to be, you know, my hair is going to be like straight and pretty like, you know whitish. Yeah, whitish. And yes. like I feel like if by making that by making right. that choice, like she still gets cramped on for her hair. So it's like as black women, we really can't win. Yeah. It wouldn't matter how she looked. Exactly. It, she's going to get crapped on. And really the subtext is that is that like you're just a black woman. So like mm-hmm. by making by making a crack at her hair and calling it a wig, he's just trying to remind us like, oh, this she he's trying to put her in her place. Exactly. Like take her down a peg. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that really um, it, it, it just is such a problematic, messed up thing. And then the the other layer I see in this is at the end of the day, what he's actually saying is that he's not listening to the words that are coming out of her mouth. And that's that's so, so awful. fundamentally disrespectful. And I've been there. You know, I feel like all women have been there. Have you ever been in the office setting or been in a classroom setting and realized that, you know, your professor or your boss or your colleagues are so busy checking some part of you out? Mm. And objectifying you in some way, whether it's your hair or your body or any or your outfit or right. whatever, that they literally are not listening to the words you are saying. That is the most dehumanizing and disrespectful feeling in the world of like, 
I'm actually not respecting your intellect. Right. And like, yeah, like she was actually talking about something that was fairly important right. to, oh, I don't know, the well-being of our country. Right. And to him saying like, oh, I can't even hear what right. you have to say. It's just, it's just beyond disrespectful. I think we need to take a break to take a break. We're getting a little, as you can tell, I'm getting Bill a little heated. Bill O'Reilly makes me want to pull my hair out. So <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we're going to. How gonna, long have you been waiting to, say, to do that one? I just one? came up with that one on the fly. You like yeah, it? Yeah, right. I swear to God I did. Um, sometimes I, sometimes even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Um, <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to unpack the perfect and brilliant response that Maxine Waters had to uh, to Bill O'Reilly's BS comment about her hair. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. We had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Gotta tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends. And we're back. We've taken a breath or two. I hope you have too. Uh, and Bridget, will you do the honors of sharing with us what the one and only Maxine Waters had to say about Bill O'Reilly's comments? So her response really could not have been better. Like I was like, I mean, I, I wanted to get this tattooed on my body. It was so amazing. You she still said, can. I might. I might. <laughs> we'll see next week yeah, what happens. Right. She said, let me just say this. I'm a strong black woman and I cannot be intimidated. I cannot be undermined. I cannot be thought to be afraid of Bill O'Reilly or anybody. Oh, that was such mic a drop. mic drop moment. I was like, oh my Damn, God. Like yeah. I was 
Like yeah, in my, we're just like fist pumping yeah, in the air. When she over said here. that, there were like air horns going off in my mind. Like, <laughs> like it was the best. Um, oh my god, DJ! Somebody, <laughs> some DJ who's listening right now, lady DJs, we're talking to you. Please, please mix that quote. I'm like not joking. I think Beyonce should do if it. If you do that, like I, I would play it at my oh wedding. Oh my god, it's, it's like it's a Chimamanda Agoji. Uh, yes. Oh god, you know, it's like when she took her quote, Beyonce yeah. didn't put it into. What was it? Flawless? Please, someone like, do that. someone do that with Maxine Waters. Oh, and damn. that, I mean, I think women, particularly black women, really resonated with that quote because it just encapsulates all the things. All totally. of, like, this is the kind of thing that you might need to, like, say in the mirror while you're getting dressed in the morning to be, like, putting on your armor for the day. Like, yeah. I will not be intimidated, you know? And, and she, she also just came out and said, I am a strong black woman. Right. Which is radical in and of itself. It is like, radical. It's, it's like... I think in this era of the women's march and the conversations around intersectionality right. that came out of that, I think it's really important to hold space for black unapologetic women to be like leading the resistance. Yeah, black. I mean, just being black and apologetic. Some, like, honestly, some days that is a radical act a radical in and act. of itself. Like yeah. sometimes just putting on your yeah. fight face and not apologizing for it is like showing up in that way can be a radical act. Absolutely. And I have to give a shout out to all of my friends on social media who took that quote and ran with it, Ugh. whether it was just a post or, you know, made it a background or made a gorgeous image of it. I think there are so many ways it's been interpreted and used in a creative fashion to sort of spread that message. I think that's that's when she also got up at a press conference and said, like, you know, the kids are tweeting about it. She was like, oh, I think it's great. The, <laughs> the millennials. Baby, <laughs> I love the millennials. Like, she was... She, I mean, honestly, she owned been, it. like, asking my grandmother, like, what do you think of social media? Yeah. And, like, her response was so adorable. Like, it, it like... Melt, me, melt in my heart. It was, it was in my heart. so great. She's, she says that she's giddy about her internet fame is the headline <laughs> that Slate ran with, which I think is just a perfect way um, for us to sort of acknowledge that she's having a moment She's now. having a complete viral moment. Yeah. And I think the thing that I loved so much, um, her, you know, her, her words went viral and probably my favorite, my favorite and perhaps the most delicious, delicious iteration <laughs> of her quote going viral was that someone, actually a friend of mine, Sabrina, shout out to a friend of the show, Sabrina, mm-hmm. um, founder of Be Bold Media. Mm-hmm. She, for her birthday, she's sort of known for these like empowering, amazing, kick-ass cakes. Oh my God. And she, her cake, we'll put it in the show notes, it's a sheet cake with Maxine Waters' tweet I love on it. it. So her cake says, I am a strong black woman. I cannot be intimidated, and I'm not going anywhere. And it's amazing, and you need to see it. And you've it. got Maxine Waters' face on it, too. Right, and she's looking great. I hope Maxine saw that. I hope Auntie Maxine saw that. I hope that. she did, too. I love what she, I love what she's saying, too, about her, her sort of viral fame. She goes, in an interview with MSNBC, she said, I'm so proud of the connection that I've made with these young people. They do call me Auntie Maxine. I embrace that. I love that. I'm going to be their auntie. I'm going to keep telling the truth. And I want them to get out there and register people to vote, get active, and bombard the Congress of the United States and their leadership with what they want them to do. And I love that so much because that just shows that she is not just like, like her viral internet fame is something that she wants to use. Put to use. Like, here's, like, like, thank you for sharing my tweet. Thank you for posting my, you know, my like unimpressed face on Instagram. Now go out and help people vote, right? Like, I love love that. And I think, yeah, like that's, that's one of the things I think that people really tap into with her is, you know, there's this hashtag, um, trust black women. And I think like, that's what it comes down to. It's like, 
why people love, like, I think that we're in a moment where people are starting to realize, like, the brilliant political organizing power that is black women. And, like, I think that Maxine Waters, in a kind of way, like, represents that, that moment of, like, yeah, black women are amazing. And for too long, you know, black women have been the backbone of the Democratic Party. And that for too long, like, that has gone unacknowledged. And, like, that moment is over. Like, mm-hmm. black women need to be everywhere. We need to be listening to them. We need to be voting for them. We need to be, um, you know, championing our issues. We need to be all, all of things. Yes. I love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. You, you just nailed it. <laughs> Duh. I'm listening to you, Bridget. Yeah, I should get a podcast. You should. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think, I think we've tackled as best we could the, just to give you a small glimpse of the brilliance and unwielding leadership of Representative Maxine, Auntie Maxine Waters. Auntie Maxine in our hearts. Adore her. What do y'all think? What do you, what's your take on this kind of outspoken, unapologetic, hyper intersectional brand of the authentic politician that is Maxine Waters? What do you think about her nickname, Auntie Maxine with millennials? Do you feel like that's good? Is that, you know, like, do you feel like that's disrespectful perhaps mm-hmm. of maybe like taking her title away or do you oh, feel like I hadn't thought about that yeah or do you listeners feel like that's just a way of reflecting on how close we all feel to a badass like Maxine Waters so I want to hear from you do you have a good story of how that quote was put to use Ooh. do you have a cake let Maybe. us see that cake. Yeah. Instagram us. Shoot us a message on Twitter. What's our Instagram handle? You can get us on the gram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. You can tweet us at Mom Stuff Podcast. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Rocker Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.